What if you were to wake up one day and realize that your chosen career path might not be the right path for you anymore? Would you be exhilarated? Would you be terrified? Maybe a little of both? Well, buckle your seatbelts because in this episode, we're talking about what to do when you realize that your purpose may have outgrown your profession. All right. All right, everyone, take your seats or lace up your sneaks. We're about to get started. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and in this show, we talk about what it takes to create healthier mindsets and habits in our own lives, as well as how we can create healthier communities and workplaces. Whether you're working on your own health and well-being or promoting healthy behaviors is your job, we're going to talk about what works, what's hard, what's needed, and what's next. Let's jump in. I want to give a warm welcome to any new listeners. If you're just getting oriented to this podcast, we have a great intro series called The Eight Things That You Need to Create Lasting Change. We've even created a listening guide and a workbook to accompany it, and I'll include a link in the show notes if you'd like to check that out, or you can find it at changeacademypodcast.com slash notebook. If you've been around for a while, thank you for being part of this community. I love hearing from you about the changes that you're thinking about or the ones that you're working on or that you've created. I especially appreciate those of you who recommend this podcast to your friends and your loved ones and your clients, because this is one of the primary ways that new folks find the show. So thank you for sharing. Sharing is caring. And you know what? This is one of those episodes that I suspect is going to be one of our most shared episodes ever. For many of us, the work that we do on a daily basis is one of the ways that we find meaning and purpose in our lives. Now, that's not the only way. Of course, some jobs are really just to pay the bills. And sometimes our greatest sense of satisfaction comes from something that we do completely outside of our professional work, such as parenting or volunteer work or creative projects. Or you may have launched yourself into a purpose-driven profession only to one day arrive at the realization that your true purpose might be better fulfilled by doing something other than what you originally trained for. So now what? You know, our careers are not the static identities that they were for our parents and grandparents. It's much more common now for people to change paths multiple times to find work that aligns with their evolving purpose. So it is okay to make bold changes at any life stage if your internal compass points you in a new direction. But at the same time, that can be a pretty scary prospect. And design thinking offers tools and processes that can help us both imagine and then execute or implement big shifts in our lives. Today, I want to introduce you to Lisa Waltuck. Lisa and her business partner, Jennifer Sullivan, are co-founders of Encore Retreats, where they host transformational getaways and events. And Lisa also has her own practice as a life coach through Thrive Coaching. Lisa is deeply steeped in design thinking, and she uses it to help her clients imagine and then inhabit really big changes. So I thought she would be the perfect person to talk about this with. Lisa Waltuck, welcome to the Change Academy. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. So over the year or so that we have known one another, 
you and I and Jennifer Sullivan, who with you is the co-founder of Encore Retreats, the three of us have had a lot of really juicy conversations about change, all the different kinds of change that we each support our clients through, whether that is behavior and habit change or shifts in mindset or perspective, all the way to adjusting to empty nests and retirement and big life shifts. And I want to say that all different kinds of change require a certain amount of grit and courage, but Lisa, there is one species of change that can be especially fraught, but also especially rewarding. And that's when you wake up, usually in the middle of the night, midway or or even further through your working life and realize that it might be time to do something completely different. I know you've experienced this. I know a lot of people that you've worked with have experienced this. And that's what I want to talk about today. Yeah, I think this is a particularly um, exciting time. And um, people, I find, come with kind of a, you know, there's a range of emotions, definitely. But I do think there is a little bit more in this moment, a time of excitement of looking forward, even if it feels daunting, Mm. even if they don't feel like they know what that change is going to be, if it feels a little mysterious, I think just because they've arrived at this point in life where they've had a lot of experiences in the past, they know what they're good at, they know who they are, there is just embedded a sense of confidence. Even if they don't feel that confident in the moment, there still is a little bit of calm and excitement that goes along with change at this stage. Yeah. So I just I just want to kind of, you know, tee it up that way that this is exciting. It's not, it, it, I don't find that a lot of people approach it with fear. It might seem a little, like I said, mysterious, but I don't find it's really with a lot of fear. It's just with kind of an unknown or not sure how to move forward, but there is some enthusiasm there. Eventually, I think you're right. I think when these first inklings occur to us, there can be some fear. There, there can often be some confusion, like I'm in the middle of a successful career. What's happening to me right now? Or even a little bit of denial, like, oh, I'm not going to think about that. That's crazy. Let me just push that thought away. But let's talk a little bit more about some of the things that do make considering a really big career shift, professional shift in the middle of your career, some of the things that make that so daunting. And I want to start maybe first with just the idea of sunk costs, the amount of time and resources that we have invested in whatever career we are currently in. We have, may, may have gone to school or graduate school. We've paid off our student loans. We've been climbing up the ladder. And now, is it crazy to think about walking away from all of that when we've invested so much? So how do we frame those sunk costs as good investments in the next thing? Because all those things are the accumulation of a life lived so far. They're skills that you have used and will continue to use. Even if you change something pretty drastic, if you change professions or if you go from a company to something that's more entrepreneurial, even, you know, going from like a tech job to something very creative, you're still using those time management skills. You're still using 
your analytical skills. You're still using your managerial skills. There's so many things that we have built up, whether it's through school or experience, that can see you forward and allow you to see yourself in a new position, in a new role, in a new life. So I think that's important to remember that nothing is going to be forgotten unless you Mm. want to. If you're saying (laughs) like, I don't want any more of this, okay, that's fine. But for the most part, we bring all of that wisdom and experience and skill sets and talents with us forward. And in many cases, we see like, oh, I could run my own business because I've been managing this team for so long in an entrepreneurial way. I know how to work a PL. I know how to plan my year. I know how to do whatever that, that is. I think there's so many things that are still relevant as we take that step forward. Right. So yes, we have some investments that we've made, but we have assets that we've acquired along the way that we do bring forward. I think maybe one of the other things that might feel a little daunting about making a big shift is that for a lot of us, our sense of identity is really closely intertwined with what we do. And we we imagine that, you know, how the world sees us is really based on on what we do. I know for me and my big career shift, which is now a couple of decades in the in the past, but I was going from being a full-time performing artist to retraining as a health professional, you know, and and also a media and communications and all of that. But it was a big shift. And there was a part of me that was I didn't really want to let go of that piece of my identity that had to do with being an artist. Maybe we fear that people will respond to us differently if we don't have that identity that our previous profession bestowed on us. So so maybe there's also a little wobbliness of who am I if I don't do this anymore? I think that's very true, but I think sometimes we need to look a little externally. So I didn't know that about you. I did not know that you had a performing artist kind of background, but I see that. I see it so clearly. You're so dynamic. You are so articulate. You have kind of a a performance aspect about you that makes you such an excellent person in an interview, on a podcast, in a, you know, some video cast, things like that. That makes so much sense to me. It actually allows me to put all the pieces together and how I might perceive you. So I think sometimes when we're feeling that a little bit of wobbliness, that um, if we you know, you can do a little polling, like, how am I doing? Is this working? Like just externally, a little external feedback also helps us see, again, we are who we are. You went into that aspect of your life pre this profession for a reason. It was part of who you were. It was something, a talent that you had, an interest that you had, and you're bringing all that forward. So I think just to remember that at our core, we are who we are. And, and that is going to seep into whatever we do. So mm-hmm. even if it, like I said, is a big shift, and this to you may have seemed like a big shift, but again, like I said, it just makes it all make sense to me. So I think <laughs> just kind of looking at, that's why, I mean, one thing that, um, you know, I really love design thinking because I think it takes into account where people are right now. And I ask them to mine their values, to kind of understand their values clearly. And some of those are core values that you had before and you will have now and you will have forever after. Some of those values change and shift. 
So I think when we're feeling a little off balance, a little not who we are, it is helpful and useful to tap into those core values because those the, that makes up our unique character and that always stays with us. I like that way of thinking about that we have a a self that we, that threads through all of our different twists and turns and and careers and you know some of us have more than two, more than three, more than four big career shifts in our lives. It's more and more common these days. So I like that vision of there being sort of a core self that shifts, evolves, changes over time, but that there is a through line that we bring that self to each of our different professional manifestations. You know, I was also thinking about the idea of leaving a a professional track or career or business that's actually going really well. I think it can be particularly confusing either to us or maybe just to the people around us if we realize that we want to leave a career in which we are, at least outwardly, quite successful in order to do something else. So in your experience with the people that you've worked with, do you think being successful in what you're doing makes it easier or in some way a little harder to then jump into a new track? I think it makes it easier because you you already feel the confidence that comes with success. Mm. So I'm thinking of somebody, um, I don't recall what her original profession was, but she is, I think, in her early 80s. Mm. Um, she loves Broadway. She lives far from New York. But now she has a little kind of cottage business of bringing people to, to New York to see Broadway shows. She does all the research. She makes all the arrangements. She um, funds her own passion and people love it. She's been hugely successful beyond her wildest dreams. It has um, made so much more money than she even, I mean, she didn't set out to make money, but it's been financially (laughs) very lucrative for her and has allowed her to kind of live her best life. And her background was something that was an organized person and she is passionate and she didn't go into this with any sort of goal except for desire and interest to kind of feed her soul. It wasn't even that confidence, but it was the being true to herself and her interests. I was just in conversation with another woman also in her 80s who's, she has an MBA, she worked in business, and then she really went into the arts and now she's moving. And um, she is interested in educating people in music and opera um, and also doing something similar to this other woman. But because she has been so successful, because people have sought her out for boards and for advice and for teaching and learning, she's um, leaving a position as the director of a nonprofit. I think those are just evolutions. So to me, when we look at this idea of making big shift or anything like that, I think it's to recognize these talents, these skills, these experiences as cumulative. Hmm. It's not, I'm leaving one thing for another. It's again, these cumulative um, aspects of yourself that include confidence, that include being successful. So when you're successful, one thing, you carry that confidence into something else with, with you. Even if it doesn't feel like it at the time, even if you're not aware of it, I think sometimes those are very subtle through lines that stick with you and that make even your initial forays into something new successful. Well, and I think that is good to keep in mind if we're feeling like, am I crazy to be leaving something that I've been successful? Or we have other people telling us, are you crazy (laughs) to be leaving the successful profession that 
you know, you can take that success and apply it to new ventures. I've also heard you talk, Lisa, about the difference between our profession and our purpose. Our profession may have been very purpose-driven when we chose it, but then we may get to a point where we realize that there are other ways of exercising a profession or other professions that might actually bring us closer to our purpose. What does that look like? I've seen more and more people be interested in in teaching others. So I think Mm -hmm. that might be something where whether it's education, you know, I definitely being in Silicon Valley, I definitely uh, have worked with and have seen several people cash out because they've done so well in technology and go into teaching elementary school or junior high, you know, where they really need teacher, great teachers, great, inspiring teachers, and people just want to give back. I think perhaps some of these people would have been a teacher uh, if it could have sustained them and their families. And they went into technology and were lucky enough to hit it big and now are kind of giving back. But I think a little bit more common are people that are doing things like tutoring. Um, they want, they may want their own schedule and they, they have had success in a career, but I've seen people go back to do college counseling, to do tutoring, to do adult education, to do coaching. So many People kind of, I think, post 50, let's call it, um, are going back to uh, guide others, whether it's adults or seniors or people with disabilities or women who want a change. So many people are going back to mentor or teach or coach. Um, And I think that is what you're talking about. I think they're saying, I have accumulated these skills and I want to give back. So that is more of a sense of purpose. I I just think the idea of helping people, whether it's volunteering at a soup kitchen or actually um, starting a new business, you know, guiding young students into their their college years or whatever. So I've seen a lot of those shift. That that seems to be extremely common. That nonprofit are both very common kind of second careers. I'm thinking of a of a friend and a colleague of mine who. Uh, about my age, was well into a very successful career as a dietitian. She worked for a big um, commodity organization. She was doing really high-level work. And then she kind of surprised all of us by going back to law school, which is not an easy lift, right? And earned a law degree specializing in this whole food and nutrition regulation and governmental policy because she decided that that was a better way for her to follow her purpose and for her to use her skills was actually to leave the profession, but bring all of that training, all of that purpose to an adjacent profession. And of course, you know, what a, what a catch she is now with that particular skill set. But we were all, I, I had so much admiration for her for, you know, at 45 or something saying like, you know what, I think I'm going to go to law school. Like who studies for the LSATs? at 45 for the first time. You know, that is somebody who's got gumption to make a big career shift and she's super happy. So um, we shouldn't be put off by the size of the rock, right? We just break those rocks down into, into smaller pebbles. Right. I, I completely agree. And I, I have a similar story of a friend who out of college um, went to law school. She practiced as a patent attorney for seven years then decided to go back to medical school, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, after, after law school and she came out as an emergency room doctor and moved up to Portland and noticed that there were so many issues because of, um, how Portland addresses drug use and things like that. She, as an emergency room doctor, saw so many people coming in with issues that she realized that policy was where she could make the biggest impact. And now she's an elected official and she's um, her main task is with homelessness that usually is due to, to meth addiction or something. So she's used all of her background in law school and medical school as practicing an attorney and a physician to positively impact her community. And it's been a long road, but it's been filled with purpose. It's never not had purpose. And you can see how her purpose guided her through that path, that by following her purpose instead of her profession to the letter, she was able to to continue to elevate her ability to have an impact. And that is one of my favorite questions that you've taught me to ask. And that is not what was I trained to do, but what kind of impact do I want to have? And what a what a game-changing question that that can be and how that can really shift us into some different modes of thinking. And I think um, to get to those answers, it's really allowing your mind to, to be open. It's being a little creative. So she didn't set out to say, I'm going to be a lawyer, a doctor, and a politician. She did not set yeah. out to do that at all. She allowed herself to observe, this is what I'm seeing come into the emergency room. And I know that this is how I can impact that, or I believe that I can have a better impact like this. So I think it's it's stepping out of the lanes a little bit. It's getting off the path. It's not just a track. It's you can get off these paths and allow yourself to see solutions, whether it's to your own interests or to the betterment of your community or to the betterment of the country, whether you want to get involved in voting rights or whatever it is, allow yourself to tap into your own know-how, your own intelligence to say, I bet I can have an impact if I do this, or this is what is important to me. So to me, it's just kind of getting out of other people's ideas about what's going to work or how society works best and allowing yourself to do that. That's where we, you know, again, kind of coming from the Bay Area, that creativity and entrepreneurism, I think, is people just, they're not accepting, oh, everything has to be done this way. Let's let's be a little bit more creative. And again, as you do this as a second or third career option, you have the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to think a little differently now. It's not just putting this one foot in front of another, as I've been told to do. It's like skipping a little bit or hopping sideways or just, you know, um, using a pogo stick, just something a little bit different that can kind of get you off that path. It's that disruptor mentality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Over the summer, Lisa, I uh, had the pleasure of sitting in on a workshop that you were giving on design thinking and life design, which I so much enjoyed. And one of the things that we did in that workshop was a mind mapping exercise. And I think uh, everyone listening has probably done some sort of mind mapping in the past, but this is a little bit different than the kind of mind mapping that that I have done because there was a lot of free association. So instead of working your way around a map and answering certain prompts, um, and we'll include a resource in the show notes for this episode that you've generously uh, offered to us to share with our listeners more instructions that they can do for themselves. But um, but basically. 
you start with a word and you have some prompts for them to generate that first word. And then you sort of free associate five or six words that just with that come to your mind without a whole lot of self-censorship and you write those down. And then you do the same for each of those words and you keep going out and out maybe four or five rounds. Now I'll have to say you need a really big piece of paper to do this or maybe multiple pieces of paper that you can kind of make into a collage. I found it different, uh, helpful to use different colored pens for each ring just to help me keep it visually organized. But it is really cool because if you go through the exercise, you end up with this really big word cloud. And then the final step in that exercise is that you scan for the words of the I don't know, 50 or 60 words that you've got on that sheet that really jump out at you and think about how they relate to one another, what they all kind of point towards. It's such a, a fun exercise, but why is the free association such an important part of that? Because it allows you to tap into your subconscious. So um, this is this exercise is trying to take you out of what I was just talking about, that, that path that you're mm-hmm. on, to take you out of that and say, let my mind just go. This is a quick exercise. It really can happen in, you know, three to five minutes. It is not long. You, you don't, you want to not edit yourself and you want to really capture what first jumps into your mind. When I've worked with clients to do this, inevitably they come up with things that they never thought of, but really, truly, deeply resonate with them. Mm. So, you know, I was working with someone that was pursuing a path and had a big um, background in IT that's what she wanted to do. She was pursuing different paths, but with that focus. And after she did the mind mapping exercise, she tapped into something deep within her that was the most exciting thing. And she has really pursued that doing, you know, having to do with barbecue and food trucks. Like it was a complete departure from what she thought, but the level of enthusiasm she has embraced us with is unbelievable. It is just so And she just knows it's right in her bones, but not until she did that mind map, not until she focused on that word or that collection of words, did she realize. So it was, it was subconscious. It was deep within her. And she said, she said, she felt that she felt like she knew it was there Mm. and she just didn't know what it was. So it allowed her to tap into it. And this is not to say that she's going to completely abandon what she was doing before, but it has allowed her to pursue something in parallel And to develop it with intention and to do it at least for now on the weekends or whatever, so she can do a little proof of concept, but she's allowed it to be real. And she Mm. tapped into it through a mind map. So yes, we do use, people use mind maps for everything. They use them to, like you said, for more of a process or for um, something with very specific prompts or to figure out steps to achieving something. In this situation, I really am asking you to free associate. And I think that's how we get the creativity. We get the things that are under the surface. And then we allow you to look at them. And scanning to see which words jump out is very important because things will stand out. It was almost like a little neon blinking Mm -hmm. that you'll see just when you look at things because it will be certain things that just resonate with you. And so that is another way to kind of identify what you could have missed before. Well, I I resonate with that exercise only because I am such a rational, linear, logical, analytical thinker. There's nothing my listeners don't know about me. I'm the queen of the spreadsheets. Um, And this exercise really, it's challenging 
for me because I want to direct it. You know, I want to come up with the right words and the best words. And I have to just kind of take my hands off the wheel and let that more subconscious process play out. So it's especially useful for me because uh, it kind of plays against my natural tendencies. And that is often the way we can reveal something new and fresh that is not the way we generally approach things. So I, for one, very much appreciated that exercise. I'm excited to share it with the listeners. I think that's a really good point. You know, I have a friend, she's very smart. um, And she, you know, takes these like job quizzes or whatever, like personality, whatever. And when it turns out in a way she doesn't like it, she redoes it. Like she knows how to game the system. (laughs) And so I think this is a situation where if you like take three deep breaths or do a little breath exercise or a little meditation before you go into it, especially if you're used to controlling things. Mm. One thing, um, I do a lot of Pilates. I really love Pilates. And they always tell you, like, don't clench. Don't clench your glutes. Don't clench your abs. Don't clench anything. It should be a more fluid movement. And I think of it the same way as doing something like a mind map or what you were saying, like, relax, let yourself not control every aspect of it, relax. And then, then you will discover things that would not have been in your consciousness before. So just relax, shaking things out before you do the mind map exercise, or just get into a new headspace, which whether it's through a little walk or just a breathing exercise, something when you start to approach these things, because you want that creative flow to happen, we all have it within us. We just need to prep ourselves, especially if we're used to controlling everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it is hard to kind of get your hands out of that, uh, that those marionette strings. You just, you know, we, we want to let that go. We really want to let that muscle in our heads do its thing to, to let our, our naturally creative selves. And we all are naturally creative. Get back to that childlike five-year-old self that was playing in the sandbox and, and let whatever happen. So I think that's important. And it's hard for people of this. That's another thing at this point in our lives, it is hard to not keep control because we're used to keeping control. Mm. We're used to keeping ourselves going in a certain direction. And if we're saying now we're ready for a change, let's open that up. Yeah. And one thing that was helpful for me was just to draw a little boundary around it. Like for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to be completely detached from outcomes, from from control. And then I'll go right back to my super controlling, rigid, clenched posture. (laughs) (laughs) The other, uh, kidding, of course. Uh, The other thing that you said a minute ago that I I liked and want to just underline a little bit is that you have this client who's, who's pursuing something crazy. I mean, food, barbecue trucks, like who would have seen that coming? parallel to. She did not burn her life down in order to pursue this. She, these are also, we can pursue the evolution of our purpose and where that might lead us professionally increment in an incremental way, in a, in a try it and see way. And I know that a big part of your coaching process is proof of concept. You know, before you quit your job uh, or, or close your business or, or move to Bali, what are some steps that we could take to to test out how this feels, how this goes, whether you're ready for the next step? And I think that also not only can maybe keep us from making some really big mistakes, but uh, but also ratchet down the the overwhelm and the anxiety if we can take this step by step. And the stakes. I mean, actually, this particular client, um, she once she made this discovery, she was so enthusiastic. She wanted to tell her boss, she wanted to scale back on her work and everything. And I said, well, 
why don't you just work on it on the weekends or um, calendar some time during your week? You don't have to interrupt your normal work. And that felt so much better because it was not a big reveal. And also then the stakes come down. You don't want to do something that is just high stakes and you say something and you go out and all of a sudden for some big reason, it's not going to work or it's not going to work now, or you need to do some investment that will come for the money you're making. Like there's so many considerations that um, it's worth celebrating when you hit on something that sparks some enthusiasm and excitement in your heart. That is worth celebrating. It's not taking a step back. It's just pursuing it in a way that is not going to disrupt your other things. It's exactly what you said. It's in parallel. So I think that's important to temper. And sometimes it's helpful to have an accountability partner or a coach or a friend or somebody just to kind of bounce some of those ideas off of before you take a big step with your employer or with your finances or with your life. Just somebody, you know, you need a a little bit of reality check. It's not diminishing your enthusiasm one bit. It's just making sure that you're being safe and taking it one step at a time as you prove your concept and as you allow um, the big stuff to come. Right. And sometimes the big stuff really does come. And we, as some of your examples have illustrated, you are never too old for another act you know, and, and you are never too far into your career or too far into your retirement to have an idea that lights you up and start taking steps toward it. And I know that you know this, but I'll just remind everybody listening that of course, on those journeys, it is the journey that is so joyful and rewarding. It is so we can start that journey, even if we don't know for sure that we will reach that destination and it will not be a wasted effort. And I'm a huge fan, and I know this is kind of sprinkled throughout our discussion, but I'm a huge fan of saying you always are gaining something. So even if she pursues the food truck and um, it becomes a big hit, and then for some reason or another, she cannot continue with it, she has still gained something. Who knows what will Mm -hmm. come up in a year? Who knows what, what, what partnership opportunities may be out there? Who knows? But I still think the act of identifying it, of pursuing it, of investigating it, of trying it, all makes us our heart sing. I know her heart is singing when she's doing these things. So that just getting to that great feeling, that feeling of purpose, that feeling of invention, that feeling of newness, that is all feeding our soul. And we cannot discount that. I think it's so important to just enjoy your life, whether it's whether it's a moment in time, whether it's a day, a week, a month, whatever, that you're doing something interesting. I just think looking at these small things, whether we're doing something that we just purely enjoy, whether we're training for something, whether we're trying on a new avenue that may lead into a different profession, all of those things are important for our soul. And we just have to remember that. It's not drudgery. It's fun. Yeah. And it reminds me of a point that I like to make a lot, which is we don't always hit what we originally set out, what what our original aim or goal was, but we almost always end up someplace interesting that we wouldn't have ended up if we hadn't tried at all. So it's not always about accomplishing exactly what we set out to do. Really, it's about setting out to do something. And also allowing for that serendipity. You know, I think that that's, that's what accomplishes what you just said is, 
You know, if we're always putting ourselves out there, if we're talking about our new ideas, if we're listening to what other people say, that allows serendipity to happen. And who knows what can happen from there? Who knows what partnerships? Who knows what opportunities? Like, just be open to that. Well, and that is exactly how this relationship started by a random conversation and hearing where the opportunities were and being open to those. And I'm so happy that that random conversation happened. I've so enjoyed the collaborations with you and Jen so far. And I feel like we could just go on and on and on. So I'm not going to let you go until you promise that you'll come back to the Change Academy so that we can talk about other aspects of of change and shifts and life design and design thinking that, that you work with, that we work with. So we won't say goodbye. We'll just say until next time. That sounds great. I really enjoyed this. I love talking about this subject matter. It makes me excited. This is what makes my heart sing. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yes, I can see that on your face. And we will be sure to have a link in the show notes to your wonderful mind mapping tool exercise and and links to Encore Retreats that you run with Jennifer. And we'll make sure people know where to find you until you're back here on the Change Academy. So until then. Great. Okay. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed meeting Lisa. I wanted to share some of the things that I took away from our conversation. Number one, your true purpose might be better fulfilled by doing something other than what you do right now or what you originally trained for. So instead of asking, what did I train to do? Ask, what impact do I want to have? Secondly, you are never too old or too successful to choose a new path. You can make bold changes at any life stage. Number three, don't let yourself be shackled by what has come before. Ask yourself, how do I want my life to unfold or evolve from here? And lastly, some of your values may have shifted throughout your life and mind mapping can help you explore your current values. And that in turn can help you design a life of greater happiness and satisfaction. And as promised, you will find a link to Lisa's mind mapping exercise in the show notes. We had a couple of anonymous coffee buyers this month. Thank you so much for your support. It really means the world to get that feedback and that appreciation for what we do. So if you're feeling the love, you should see a support this show link or button in your podcast player. And if you're not too shy, leave your name too, so that I can thank you properly. That's it. I will see you next time. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagle. Our show is produced by me, Brock Armstrong. You'll find links to everything Monica mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, as well as on our website at changeacademypodcast.com, where you can also send us an email or leave us a voicemail. If you're finding this podcast helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or even better, give our show a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. Or, best of all, share this episode with a friend or colleague you think would enjoy it. Now here's to the changes we choose.